in a span of four hours, somebody must have got wind of it. And I think there were like 20 memes created about this product that I made. And, you know, it was like people were being like, who created this? Like people were like, uh, you know, in the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was like spitting money off the boat. Like people were doing all this. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, and you were is- still like under the radar too. Like you don't really put your name on stuff. Yeah, for the most part, right? Did you clear your cash flow? Yo, what's up, Mike? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on today. It's uh, awesome to do this. We've been uh, working together at... uh, you know, different levels for, uh, I don't know, three, four years now. And, uh, I really love what you're doing. Uh, yeah, so, no, no problem, man. Yeah. Funny, funny enough. This is actually my first podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> cool. You know, I, it's funny. I've been doing this for so long, but just been kind of like staying under the radar for so long. So I was kind of, uh, I, I was running just before this and I'm like, what am I even going to talk about? Haven't, haven't been through the circuit here before. So appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Yeah, let me do a quick intro for you. So uh, I'm going to tell a story about how we met. Uh, sure. It all starts with uh, me clicking on a Google ad uh, back in like 2019. I was building out the cold email at my company, uh, the out- outreach, uh, you know, sales outreach program. And uh, at the time, I was using Lemlist to do email warming. Right. Uh, we were using Growbots for all of our outbound sending, but we're using Lemlist to warm inboxes. And it's like, I forget it was like a hundred dollars per month per inbox or something crazy. And I just used that one feature. It was that email warming feature. And they're the only company at the time that had email warming. Uh, so I'm like pissed off. I'm spending all this money, you know, keeping my inboxes down to like two or three and uh, spending a crap load on inbox warming. And I, so, so I was Googling one day, so I'm Googling and all of a sudden this thing more about Binbox pops up. So I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. $9 a month. So I fill out the form, you know, you and I jump on a zoom. And you're like, yeah, you like that? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about building it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, man. Yeah, you were like, I think, customer number two. Yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was awesome. So uh, yeah, we we still use your your uh, product. I, I know you sold it, and uh, that's an awesome story to get into. But uh, what else? I I just kind of skipped right to the warm up inbox part. I know you had a part of your journey before that, so you want to just kind of like share your, uh, your yeah as well. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I guess you kind of jump right, right to the end, but, uh, what's kind of nice, like specifically warm up inbox, it really was kind of like an overnight success, just mainly like six years in the making. So, um, I used to work in sales. So graduated college, uh, worked for a company called TransPerfect, And, uh, basically they were a translation company. So talking to lawyers, uh, doing sales and, and kind of learned, how a well like oiled machine would work specifically for, for a company that was scaling. So for example, when I joined, they were doing like 200 million in sales and now they do over a billion a year in sales. So pretty large company. And I was kind of like a, kind of a cog in a gear specifically for that, for that engine and decided. And outbound there? 
Yeah. So a lot of outbound calling, kind of cold email, things like that. Um, so like uh, SDR or AE? Yeah. Or... Ba basically, the, the way that it was structured was you started as an account manager, kind of learning and, and working under a director. So kind of helping them get projects done and going on sales calls and essentially being shadowed. Um, and then you kind of slowly work through the ranks. So went from like account manager to account executive, where you kind of started your own book of sales and then uh, going to director. So, um, and kind of over time there, I realized like, you know, yes, it's a well, well oiled kind of machine specifically for kind of scaling translations. And I kind of sat there and I was like, well, okay. Like, I, I feel like I can do this myself just kind of in a smaller scale. Um, I decided not necessarily to, to do it with translations, but, um, you know, it, it, I kind of basically was able to like sell the product and then also kind of see behind the scenes of like how the company fulfilled their translation. So it was really understanding how to like how this, this company kind of scaled up. And so kind of around the time that I started to, um, you know, think about starting my own company, I actually got recruited to work at a startup in New York city. Uh, so the company raised millions of dollars, uh, raised their series a and, uh, I was brought on to actually um, partially head up their like SDR team. So managing a couple of SDRs and kind of quote unquote, like scaling, you know, a, a Silicon Valley startup. Uh, and I got there and realized that we really didn't have like product market fit. So uh, we had all this money. Uh, everybody had great salaries and we had an amazing product. Uh, we actually did eye tracking through computer web cameras. So uh, helping kind of consumer packaged goods companies um, really just be able to tell what stuck out on the shelf. So oh, wait, was that like, was that one that was supposed to like fly under the radar for the consumers or was that something like you're in a study and we're tracking your eyes and, and you know, yeah. Yeah. So uh, everything was kind of in like an experimental phase, meaning like everybody whose eyes we tracked, you know, opted into it, knew their computer web camera was on and things like that. So it was kind of like a closed environment, but really it was just designed for consumers packaged goods. And, and what they were doing was literally getting like hardware on their face um, and bringing people in. And it was really expensive. You're talking about experiments that were hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, oh, wow. the company I work for, it's Sticky, we brought it on a computer web camera and we would take $100,000 tests and bring them down to $100. So it wasn't wow. like eye tracking, you know, it, so was it eye tracking on websites or applications or was it yeah. eye tracking on like actually looking at like real, you know, IRL products in real life? So we didn't do in real like life viewing that was more for like the glasses, but uh, we would like display a shelf digitally to kind of show, you know, what, what it might look like in a store. Uh, we also did like UX UI testing um for that as well and um you know specifically for websites and things like that so um yeah it was like a really cool product and basically it was just something where we couldn't really find like the perfect audience right so the computer uh, uh, consumer packaged goods companies were having a hard time switching over because they really thought the value was the consumer walking through a grocery store versus just kind of like a mock-up on a computer so Basically, we got there and we tried to scale up very quickly and, and realized that, um, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, kind of like a, an immediate home run. So that that company ended up getting acquired. So, so there was some, um, you know, good outlook for that uh, company. But I laughed right earlier because it's like that, that's like the stereotypical, you know, nerds in Silicon Valley or wherever trying to like 
find a business, you know, find a business up market for their solution or like for totally. their, their tech. <laughs> yeah. And so I was kind of like, you know, I kind of saw both sides of the coin, right? So like at my company at TransPerfect, it was like this amazing company. The culture was epic. Like I'm, I'm still friends with, with people from there seven, eight years later. And it was, and it's amazing company. It's an amazing like training organization for, for sales teams. Like, um, it was, you know, it's just like, it's still one of the best, I, I deal with companies all day long now. And it's still one of the best companies I've ever dealt with. So kind of on the flip side of like, you know, a Silicon Valley company where there's, you know, uh, just like a lot of politics and, and all of that. And so I was like, okay, so I've seen an amazing company and I've seen a really bad company. And so now I'm kind of like, okay, well, I think I can kind of like nail in between that. Right. So the cool part about TransPerfect was that um, it was really entrepreneurial, meaning they just kind of like threw you in the fire. They they would give you a playbook and show you success, but um, they really made you go out and get your own book of business, right? So um, I worked down there in DC. I didn't really know a soul, just a couple of, you know, I moved there when I was 22 and knew a couple of people from college, but that was it. But you know, over time really grew like a book of business to hundreds of thousands, almost like a million dollars just from nothing. But that was from, you know, having kind of that, that playbook. And so they taught me, you know, a lot there. And so, you know, over time I realized, okay, I want to start out and, and kind of do my own thing. And so at Sticky, I saw kind of the technology side and then at TransPerfect, it was more services side. And so I said, Hey, why don't I take some of my experiences from both and and merge them into kind of some sort of product. So um, I decided to uh, start a assistant company. So it was called Byron. It's highbyron.com. Uh, it's still running today. And basically what it was is that you would sign up, uh, put in your credit card and, you know, within an hour you would have access to what what's called like a virtual assistant. So, Basically, somebody who is sitting at home working uh, here in the U.S., uh, really just doing a lot of like admin tasks. So, um, you know, scheduling meetings, calling and booking appointments, clearing out your email and things like that. And so virtual assistant space is really competitive. And so really the competitive advantage that I had was that it was a platform. So not necessarily kind of like a SaaS company, but mostly around um just making things easier. So it was kind of like tool based. So it's like you would sync like your calendar and the assistant would have better transactions, you know, visibility within that. We had live chat within the platform. So it was really geared towards kind of like short-term and long-term tasks, short-term tasks. You can like literally type a request in and it would be done in 20 minutes just by whoever was online. And then we'd have long-term tasks where we were um, really just like dedicating assistance to you for whatever you needed. A lot of time was like re recurring tasks. And so kind of going back, my, my experience was in sales, right? So like, I, I don't, I didn't, at the time I didn't know how to code. Um, I really, I, I didn't, I just basically drew things on PowerPoint and I was like, Hey, can you like make this clickable? Right. So I, I knew like, what customers wanted. So you got developers though, like you hired like offshore developers or something and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so basically um, I kind of had a couple of different nightmares. So at first I I hired a guy off Upwork 
Uh, I was like really adamant that it was, you know, I find somebody in the US because they would be quote unquote, quote, like better developers. And so um, I found a guy and he's like, sure, I do it for like a flat fee of like, I think it was like three or four grand. And I was like, oh, wow, like sounds good. And so I just like put up all these mockups and he basically ghosted me. He built like half of it and it turned out it was like horrible code. And so I decided to hire a firm um, in Ukraine and um, I still am friendly with that firm today. So this was around like 2015, 2016. Um, and really what they did was they took this, this guy's code that was basically complete garbage. Like at the time he just kind of ghosted me and I had this code base. It was so bad that they literally couldn't get it running on a local computer. Um, and so like literally they took, it took a week for them just to get it running on the local computer. And so um, I did fall into this trap. Like, what was the tech stack they did it in? Or the ooh, first it was it, it was Angular. Um, and so like literally, it was it just like, front end only, no back end. Like no idea what the back end it was. That's like how kind of like I had no idea what was going on at the time. Right? It was basically like uh, it. They had the code base. Like I had access to the code base, so it was just making sure that like code was being pushed when they said it was being pushed, but. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where, um, I just was like, okay, if I click a button and it works like perfect, you know, um, and, and honestly, sometimes still to this day, I, I act that way. Um, but yeah, so I definitely in that time kind of fell into the like, okay, um, one more feature and all of a sudden this company is going to blow up. Right. So like I just kept building and building and building. So um, you know, the, the company in terms of revenue for Byron, like at, at height, basically because it was services based, like churn was horrible. So like we'd have crazy months and then really low months, but, you know, we were doing like a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales, like at the peak. And then I just kind of like slowly gave up because it was such a berm, um, mainly because you're just essentially dealing with like, you know, human capital really it's. People have so many different personalities, uh, different ways of working. So, for example, somebody might type in a request and say two sentences, hey, set up my entire CRM and, and get it ready in three days, right? And that's all. And then if an assistant would come back with a list of 10 questions, they would come back and be like, you have no idea what you're doing or, or whatever it may be, right? They expect things to be done. But on the flip side, we'd have amazing clients that you know, would have amazing kind of briefs and scripts or whatever it may be. And those were the clients that we were trying to filter out. And so I worked on that idea for like four years and I just kept trying to get it to some sort of like scale, right? Like, um, and so honestly, basically what started to happen over three or four years was I was, I kept reinvesting every single dollar into development and yeah, essentially we got to a point where- so how, how were you making money at the time? Like, did you have a job or what were you doing? I was consulting on the side. So basically I was like, I was, I would say I was like a sales advisor. Um, so I, I started, like I consulted for some companies. Was that mainly lead around lab, uh, Lead Labs you had? Well, so I, I started that basically, like that was like the parent company that I started consulting with. So basically what kind of started to happen was- Byron was making like a couple thousand dollars a month. And, and I was just like, man, I kept, basically I was spinning my wheels. And at the same time, those couple of thousand dollars a month, I was reinvesting in the developers just to keep building more features, hoping it would blow up. And so 
basically I was consulting for like some, some serious, like series a series B companies like that, that you would know now. Um, and really it was stuff that I learned at sticky and, and Transperfect, like how to script good cold emails, how to um, find contacts. So like um, Clearbit today is like one of the biggest lead generation companies in the world. But um, I was the point guy. I was one of Clearbit's first customers back at Sticky when we had kind of these like Silicon Valley connections. And, you know, I was like, oh, you just run a script and you're able to get all these contacts and do outreach. Don't you know this? And and even some of these Series A um, seed stage companies that I was working with didn't really so know. So what, what, uh, what, what size was Clearbit? Like how big was their sales team and how I big think, was their, I think uh... it was like three or four people at the time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They're crushing it these days. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, they're they're huge now, but at the time they... They were like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll give you access, you know, open access to our API, go nuts. And like now today, that would be, you know, a $300,000 a year plan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they had no clue like how to do cold outreach at the time. And they were just like completely in the dark or they were doing it wrong. Or... Uh, well, no, so so Clearbit knew exactly what they were doing. It was more, you know, I was able to, so for example, like uh, Aaron Ross, one of the like, you know, cold email OGs, right? He helped consult at the company that I work for, right? So like the sales team went, went to Aaron Ross's house and, and we had all this kind of like inside knowledge of cold email, right? So, you know, in 2016, we were getting, you know, every hundred emails we were sending, even though we didn't really have product market fit. I mean, we were getting 10 to 15% positive reply rates. I mean, you told me that when we were uh, out at dinner that one night and I was just, you know, I, I, I can't even fathom, you know, other than, you know, like recruiting emails, I can't even fathom 10%. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and like, like, and it didn't even necessarily have to be personalized. It was just like, be, because it, there was less noise, you know, through, through email. And so basically because Byron, this company I started, wasn't like taking off the way I wanted to, you know, I still, you know, I, I lived in New York, but I lived in like a really small apartment, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, it was, it was like the definition of a grind, right? So Byron was making a couple thousand dollars a month. Um, during lunchtime, I would actually walk dogs. So, um, so like I lived on the Upper East Side and like, the best part about New York City, right, is like my apartment was $2,000 a month. And I mean, literally right next door was a $2 million apartment, right? Like there's like the, you know, the, the split between it was amazing. So dude, I, I, I totally, I, I freaking love that story, man. That's yeah. the coolest, like working on the app, like consulting and then like walking dogs to just like, yeah, I mean, if, if you were actually to focus walking dogs in New York, you can make six figures. So like I would, I would sprint from apartment to apartment. And I would, I would only take one hour for lunch, even though I work for myself in my apartment. And I, I mean, I was pulling in like $150 cash a day, just walking like a couple of dogs. It was amazing. <laughs> so, so it was, it was really, it was really like fun time too, because it, while I was outside walking these dogs, I was really kind of working through these like startup problems. Um, but I definitely got into this kind of entrepreneur issue of like, man, like, uh, if I build this feature, like all of a sudden it's going to open up this whole market and I'm going to start making like millions of dollars. Right. Um, and, and obviously that, that didn't happen. And so one, one day I was, I always listen to podcasts when walking dogs and somebody I listened to, I forget what podcast it was, but they were basically like, they're like, this person makes 150 grand a year off Fiverr, like just 
uh, like making illustrations. And I'm like, well, my goal was just to make a hundred dollars a year or a hundred grand a year, just working for myself. Um, so I'm like, well, why don't I just do that? Right. I mean, why, why like try to like scaling like a, a SaaS company or a services company when like I'm making a good amount of money consulting on cold email. Um, and so I decided to kind of spin up an agency and I, I call that agency lead route. And basically what I was doing when I was consulting, I was just kind of doing hourly, but I realized that if I can like almost like Fiverr productize a service, I can kind of scale that and just like repeat. And so what, uh, what year are we in at this point? Yeah, probably like 2017, give or take. Um, and so that, that's what I, I started to do. And, and, and that really started to work. Right. So I was charging like $2,500 a pop for like, basically for a month recurring to find leads, craft like email copy, um, reach out to them and then literally schedule meetings. And so basically what I did at first was, um, you know, I, I started building tools to basically bring my margins down. So at first I was almost doing everything at cost. So I'd pay like a data broker, you know, like $1,500 to find the leads. I had all these email tools to send out emails. And then like, I, I had one of my buyer and assistants schedule the meetings. And all of a sudden I look and I'm like, well, I'm not making that much money, but if I can scale this, I'll, I'll start to make some money. And so kind of around that time, Byron was like, I started focusing my time on the agencies of Byron was starting to, to kind of go down in sales. And literally I ran out of money. <laughs> it was kind of like I was scrambling. I mean, at that time, honestly, I think I was like 20 or $30,000 in credit card debt wow. and I had student loans. Um, so really what I was doing was I was putting all developer expenses on my credit card. And then I was also like the cash I was getting from dog walking was paying the rent. Um, Were you married back then? I wasn't, but I did, I did, I, my girlfriend now wife at the time uh, we were together, I guess at that time, five or six years. And yeah, she, she was like, what the hell are you doing, man? Or yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she, <laughs> she's amazing that way. Cause it's, it was a, it was a lot of faith. Right. So like at this time I was not saving money and now I was like three or four years into like the scramble of like trying to start a company. Right. Like I would, you know, she, she knew I had like skills like in sales, right? Like, I mean, when I actually worked at a normal job, I was crushing it um, and and making like really good money, especially for my age at the time. Um, but yeah, when you went out on your own, it, she was like, oh, like you got this huge sale. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to invest every penny back into development. And so kind of the issue was the other thing too, just to go back a yeah. second. So like you, you said earlier, like, yeah, I could have made six figures walking dogs in New York. So if like, if that was all you wanted just to make six figures and didn't care how you would have just walked dogs. But I don't think like, you're not a consulting type of guy. Like, I don't think you want to go and like bill hours. I don't think you want to walk dogs. Like what I know about you is that you've got, you know, these like visions for, you know, products. And that's uh, just quick side side tangent there, but that I think that plays into what what you're talking about here, right? And we'll we'll get to it. <laughs> I d I do think kind of the story tell tells a lot because you know I, I say maybe we're we're 20 minutes into talking and literally at this point, um, I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt and had had no faith of like kind of what's going on, and so Byron was still making a little bit of money. 
And at that point, like basically my credit card was maxed out. Like I literally called the bank and they're like, yeah, we're not going to give you any more money. And so at, at that time I was, I was literally forced to start coding to fix bugs that were in the platform. So I put the, the Ukraine development team on hold. And so I'm coding and fixing Byron and just like learning by trial and error. And then at the same time, I'm building uh, the lead root agency. And so as I kind of started to learn how to code, I started building my own scrapers and kind of dashboards that kind of help make the agency more efficient. And um, that's really kind of how I, I started to learn how to code. And that really just all of a sudden like opened my eyes, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm really able to kind of like double, triple my efficiency if I just like start writing a couple of lines of scripts for, you know, like one-off tasks, right? It, it might be, um, you know, cleaning up an email list before sending for a client or, um, you know, finding a crawler to just go to Google and compile a list of phone numbers, you know. What were um, you, uh, what were you coding in? Um, so I, I know Node.js. That's okay. like my bread and butter um, and like MongoDB. And that's honestly, that's like my only tech stack. <laughs> And that's like, cool. I just, I just know like how to work with that. And then I know, I don't know a lick of front end, like sure some HTML, CSS, but, um, so I specifically work with like a front end developer now for those types of things. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I started running the agency and so I started selling like data plans. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I now have a script to crawl, crawl Google maps, for example, like by location. And so like. I was starting to sell like really big projects, like, you know, uh, a startup in um, London came to me and said, hey, we're we're looking for every single retail location in the world that isn't a chain and we want their email address and phone number. Right. If you Google that today, still, you literally can't find that that list doesn't exist. You need like a private broker. The nice part about that was for a project beforehand, I figured out a way to crawl Google Maps for data for a client. And so literally running a script for two days, I was able to make $40,000 in like a couple of weeks, just like compiling that script. And so that was kind of like when my eyes started to open and say, whoa, like I can really start to leverage this code for like some serious money. So we're, so, we're still at 2017 here, right? Yeah, to that, like I'd say like over the next couple of years, like 2017 to, to 2019, it was okay. kind of like, okay, still grinding, still working on Byron. But you got the credit cards paid off and like you're starting yeah so like things those. things started around that time I, I got engaged funny story about that was like you know i still was basically the moral of the story was i was reinvesting every single dollar um but right around that time like the beta of stripe capital came out and literally i took a loan out on stripe capital to buy my engagement ring so this like around this time it was literally like i still had no money so i, I literally leveraged my monthly recurring revenue off Byron to get an engagement <laughs> ring. So like, this is kind of still how scrappy things were. Um, I love that story. That's uh, yeah, man. diehard uh, startup founder story. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, as you can tell, it's like, it's pretty stressful, right? So like now looking back, it, it kind of sounds like, oh, those were like the glory days. But I don't know, I, at the time, like I, I gained 30 pounds. Um, I went to the ER twice specifically because like, I thought I was like having a heart attack. It was just yeah. like, doctors like, hey man, you're you're 26 years old, like you're okay, uh, you know? Um, 
And so, so yeah, th- things started to get better, right? So like the consulting and, and productized services started to scale, right? So I grew my lead generation agency to about 30 or $40,000 a month, like recurring. Um, and that, that was essentially by myself with just a couple other contractors. So I was really starting to like kind of quote unquote print money. But um, the issue was that churn was pretty bad, meaning I would get a client for like say two or five thousand dollars a month and like we'd set some meetings for them and then they'd be like great we either have a ton of meetings or like you know we wouldn't set as many meetings as they thought and so basically we were just like every two months three months it was just like the the clients just kept coming and going for whatever reason so sometimes it was like sometimes it was like we would set 25 meetings in a month and they're like well we want 50 and i'm like well we'll just give you 25 for now and like I, I changed up the model of like pay per performance and, and things like that. And, and again, I started realizing like, okay, I'm dealing with a lot of different personalities and different sales quotas. And I almost got back into this like Byron phase of my life where it was, um, it was just like dealing with people again, right? It was just like one of those things where even though I was trying to get productized services, they were, they, I still couldn't kind of hone it in. And so kind of around that time, I realized like we were building these internal tools and like reinvesting in kind of the infrastructure. So we were building like data crawlers and email sending tools and things like that. And I realized like some of the client complaints even around churn was spam, right? And so say we send like a hundred emails, you know, we would only get like one or two replies instead of like in 2016, we would get like 50 replies, right? And so what I realized was basically our emails were going to spam. Um, And this was, I guess, 2019, 2020. And at the time, there were only two solutions. It was like Lemlist and a tool called, um, I guess it was, it was called Mailwarm. Yeah, Mailwarm. Mailwarm. Yeah. And they were a YC. dollars for like three inboxes per month. It was so, both were so expensive. And I, I remember stumbling across Lemwarm and being like, wow like they basically invented this concept uh, the lemless guys it was like i came across it i'm like this is genius i'm like i can't believe i didn't think about this and because i'm in i've been entrenched in the cold so so back back up i I, most people here probably most of the listeners aren't going to be like cold email gurus so just talk a little bit about uh and uh, you know i'm happy to chime in here too but talk a little bit about like what is warming up inboxes? Why do you do it? How to email an ISP service providers filter and spam messages and just sort of like the strategy behind what this all is. Sure. Yeah. So the the concept around cold email is, you know, say you're you're selling a product, whether you know it's services, your software, basically, basically you're a company and you have like an ideal customer profile, right? So we we can use an example of like Hey, um, I'm a sales rep at a recruiting software firm where it helps recruiters manage their applicants, right? I might be a salesperson there. And I, I know that every single recruiter in the United States could potentially use my tool. So I'm going to send them an email out of the blue. I might not know them. I might not have kind of like a current connection with them, but I know they're kind of within my field and I know their title. Like we have similar customers and similar use cases. And so if I email them, it's not going to be completely out of the blue. Yes, I don't know them, but it's going to be like somewhat hyper-personalized, meaning 
you know, I'm going to say, hey, we work with customer X. Uh, we help, you know, streamline recruiting efficiencies by 10X. You know, are you open for a demo? Basically, the, the it's a B2B reach out, you know, so it isn't something like, you know, reaching out about, um, you know, weight loss or something like that. to so just a list of like a million emails. It's more focused on saying, okay, you know, let, let's say there's 100,000 recruiters in the United States. Like that's your total addressable market. Over the next like six months, I'm going to try to reach out to every single one. And so basically what companies do, especially like startups, is they use cold email tools to kind of personalize things. So uh, they'll upload a list, almost like a mail merge, and, you know, it'll say, hi, person's first name, use case. And so it'll almost be like a boilerplate, but it'll be customized per each person. And literally it's sending one-on-one -on -one emails, making it look like you emailed that person just like by hand typing it and it's really effective it's still effective even today it was effective as many you know super effective many years ago um but it, it's still great today and so the issue is like so for a big company right so like the first company i worked for transperfect um there's like i think they have eight thousand employees now which means their email sending reputation is amazing. You know, they're emailing clients every day. They're emailing customer support questions. There's millions of emails going through that corporation a day. Google and Microsoft is looking at these emails and saying, you know, hey, oh, they're from TransPerfect. Like TransPerfect's legit. Accept the email and bring it into the inbox. Okay. So big companies don't necessarily have like what's called an email deliverability issue. And not just Google and Microsoft, but you also have like, you know, Comcast and there's exactly. providers in there as well. There's like two, there's like 200, maybe 300 email service providers out there. And so basically every single one has their own way of filtering spam. Nobody knows even like today, like nobody knows how Google filters out spam. You know, it's, it's basically like trial and error. And so the big issue, though, is that startups who might have one or two employees don't have this like built up reputation. And so if you start just like blasting or emailing recruiters, Google's going to say, yo, we like we have no idea who you are and it's just going to immediately go to spam. And so all this time and effort that you're spending on research and contacts, writing personalized messages, it literally won't even matter because it's just going to go to the spam box. And so. Um, Basically, what Warm Up Inbox does, and, and basically these tools that Lemlist created, uh, or this this concept that Lemlist created, um, was that you would build up a network of inboxes that would talk to each other. It was basically a closed loop network. So um, I sync my email, Brian, you sync your email, and then it's just going to send emails back and forth between me or you. And if an email lands in spam, we're going to mark it in the inbox as, hey, this isn't spam. And the idea is that you're reversing and it's automated. Like we're not doing this. It's not like a, a, like a group where we set it up and just do it like as, as friends, it's like actually all automated as a platform. Right. And, and honestly, at the time there were, and maybe still are services that would do it by hand. They would literally have assistants like overseas do it. And so that was like, that was the time it was like Lemlist had it, had this concept and, and it didn't really work that well. It was just an idea. Um, and then, and then you had the manual process. And so basically the whole idea is that by moving it from the spam to the inbox, you're retraining the Google, Microsoft, and all these other providers algorithms and saying, Hey, you know, Mike and Brian's emails are good. And so basically that that's what Lemlist kind of discovered. 
And so going back to my agency, I was spending Lemlist, I think at the time was like 50 or $70 per inbox. And so at the time I had like maybe 200 inboxes. So I was spending so much money on warming these inboxes. And it was a fight between like landing and spam, client churn, and like, yes, the agency was sp- printing money, but I was also spending so much money on tools and building up infrastructure. So Dude, that's, hold on, let me just do the math on that. So I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's like 70, it was like, like nine bucks was, or something. It was a lot of money. <laughs> 150, you're spending 10 grand a month on Lemlist. And uh, were you using it for sequencing or were you just using it for the warm up feature? No, at the time I kind of had like, I guess we were using MailShake at the time. And okay. we were using Lemlist for warm up. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, That's insane. 10 grand I, a month on warming inboxes. Yeah. And something something you haven't even covered is like everything I've done is 100% bootstrapped. Everything I'm going to talk about is 100% bootstrapped. Like, you know, basically around the time I was still like paying off some credit cards. But, you know, overall, like things were moving in the right direction. But I was like, my margins aren't that great between paying for assistance and paying for these tools. And so I had all the, the hardest part about you know, this kind of warming up concept is you need like a seed set network, meaning like you need to start with the inboxes. If it's just me and you, Brian, talking to each other, basically does nothing. You need to have diversity. Um, And so basically in three days, I built this tool and I called it warm up inbox um, just because the domain wasn't there. And so over the years, I kind of learned like how SEO worked. And I was like, okay, like, this term warming up has existed for a couple of years, but not the term like warming up your inbox. So basically I coined that. And uh, in three days, I, I built kind of an MVP with, with my own network. And I, it, for a couple of months, I was just like working. It was for my own use. And I noticed that it was starting to work. I was like, wow, I had different clients. So it was on different IP addresses. So it worked out really well. And, you know, at, at the time I was like, and hey, let me, let me put like a sign up page on here in case I want to start selling it. So I, I remember when you launched it, I, I signed up for it. I saw your Google ads and signed up for it and it worked like passably well uh, in the beginning. And I remember that like there was bugs and like inboxes would get disconnected and I'd email you and like 15 minutes later, you'd be like, push the fix, try again. Like it, it was working, you know, it was awesome. Right. Like great customer service, by the way. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it's it's because you were like one of three users, <laughs> you know. So but by like the second month, though, second or third month, like it was, I could just see like hockey stick effect where it went from like working well enough to like it was really working. Like I could literally see it in our reports. Yeah, yeah, and like at that time too, I was also starting and stopping a bunch of different companies. So like I tried to start my own dog walking company that didn't work tried my own so backpack did, company. Do the dog thing. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I was like, oh, like, let me, you know, I just tried like anything that would work. And so like, I would spin up some landing pages, run Google ads, and like, just look at the metrics and see if anything worked and like things would fall flat. And then with warm up inbox, I started running Google ads. So at the time, um, it was just my own network. And I started running Google ads. And like, for example, you were one of the first users that came in. And I started looking at the metrics and I was like, okay, you know, 10 people clicked on the Google ad, six people signed up. And out of those six people, five of them like are begging to pay for the credit, like putting the credit card in. I didn't even have a credit card form. I just had like a sign up page. And that's when I realized I was like, oh my gosh, these like metrics are through the roof. Right. So at sticky, we were always optimizing for like funnels of like, you know, a visitor hits the website. 
uh, do they sign up for like a free account? What do they do in the free account? Do they actually use it? And then do they put in their credit card and then do they stay? And so I, I kind of had that drilled in my head and I looked and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like one of the best funnels I've, I've seen to date. Right. And so all of a sudden I put everything on pause and start working on warm up inbox. And that's kind of, um, you know, part of the reason why, for example, if you, you when you would send me an email in the early days, um, you know, that th that's the power of like building something yourself is, you know, if you can, if a customer asks for something, they can literally, you know, if you can reply in 15 minutes with a fix, that's like really powerful. And you have a customer for life and, you know, a friend and, and now, you know, a podcast host and podcast opportunity. Right. Look at that. <laughs> um, Amazing how but, the world works. Right. And like the, the best part, you know, about, about you and like my experience with you was you literally sent me an email and said, Hey Mike, like your tool's cool. It's really cheap. And that, that was part of the reason why I wanted to do it. I was like, okay, if I can make this 10 X cheaper and a little bit better, like I'll be able to get this whole market. And, you know, that was a theory and it, and it, it worked and is kind of now core to all my other businesses now that I own. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things where you sent me an email and it, you were like, if you build these 10 things, like I will pay. And it would, I just coded for a week straight and you, you, you know, you lived up to your word and, and luckily that was like the core feature set that helped that company grow so quickly. So um, I remember uh, we had that first Zoom call or whatever, Hangouts or whatever it was. And uh, so you're like, yeah, I'm thinking about building this. And then the next day you're like, all right, here's the wireframes. What do you think? Yeah. And then, like we had another meeting or something, went through some of the wireframes. And then it was like, yeah, a week later, you're like, all right, it's built. Go ahead and sign up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so it's, you know, for for kind of like a, an average person, right? Like if you're starting from scratch, like with with a software idea, it, it might not take a week, right? Part of the reason why I was able to move so quickly was, you know, I had five years, six years experience of drawing mock-ups for Byron, starting to code. Um, but Warm Up Inbox was literally the first like full-blown app that I built, right? So like at the time I wasn't necessarily building too many endpoints and like backend endpoints. I was more building scripts for crawling. And, and, and it's also, it's one of those like beautiful business ideas that it's like, catching lightning in a bottle they only come across every so often where it's just like so simple like there's not many moving parts you don't need like some crazy data set to pull it off and it's just the features are simple but it's just it just creates like massive value for the users yeah and, yeah uh, and there was there was all these like buzzwords that was going on in my head it was like network effect right it's like part of the reason why facebook is so successful is you know be, because of the network and i was like okay it reminds like, me of calendly like it's calendly is another example where it's like this epic business that's just so freaking simple like the product is so simple it's not hard to build you know right. i mean i'm sure at this point they have a lot of engineering into it but it's not hard to build calendly like that's the mvp of calendly yeah, there with, with warm up, there were some scaling issues because we were growing so quickly. Um, and just like to put a sense of the numbers, so you know, in I started it, I used it internally for a couple months, and then I put like a paywall up. And within like eleven or twelve months, it went from zero users to thousands of paid users, um, and like a significant amount of revenue. Um, with only me, my brother, uh, a front end developer. And then towards the end, we, we hired a marketer to just kind of help with some of the marketing efforts. But, 
Um, yeah, it was, it was, we had some scaling issues and, and part of the, the reason, like part of the issue was, you know, uh, dealing with IMAP and SMTP, which is like an email client. It allows you to kind of connect to mailboxes or it allows you to connect to kind of any kind of mailbox. That technology is so like basically old and it really hasn't changed for so long. And there are just like all these little nuances that, especially as like a beginner intermediate developer, it was really difficult to deal with. And so you know, essentially what we were doing was retraining Google and Microsoft's algorithms. There were some other providers, but, you know, it was kind of this gray area of like, you know, is, is Google catching on to this? Granted, at the time we were running Google ads and, and building up SEO. And because we were the first company to literally focus only on this in the U.S., uh, our SEO just went through the roof, right? So like anything related to warm up, we were ranking number one. And I, I recognize that really early based off like my past experience. So uh, literally like my, my brother, he came on as a content writer and customer support. And I mean, he he was writing like two articles a day and you compound that over a hundred days. I mean, you're talking hundreds of articles. Well, two things I'll say there. Um, well, actually one thing, and then I have a question for you. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. Cause yeah, Google like could shut you down. They could just be like, all right, no more API access for you and right. just shut the whole thing down but they themselves do tons of cold emailing i get emails from google all the time so that would yeah, be funny. like so hypocritical <laughs> yeah and so part, part of part of the issue and, and one thing i didn't realize right so like um i even like thought about raising money for warm-up inbox and at the time um i actually got accepted to like a pretty well-known incubator when I applied, like we were at 3000 MRR. And then, you know, when I talked to the partners, we were at 10,000 MRR and that was like a week later. And I was like, oh my God, like by the time we got a term sheet, it was just like, it was like double, triple. And I was like, okay, like it literally doesn't make sense to make like to, to take this money anymore. Um, and, you know, it, it was just one of those things where the, the growth was, was so quick. And part of the reason was I didn't realize that, um, building multiple inboxes was a thing, right? So like for my cold email clients, like we would have one or two email addresses that would send out emails. And like out of nowhere, like I was charging $9 a month per mailbox. And then like out of nowhere, like people would come in with like a hundred mailboxes and be like, oh my God, you're saving me just like my agency, like tens of thousands of dollars a month. And they'd be like, please take my money. And like out of nowhere, like, you know, I would just wake up in the morning and like we would be making two to $5,000 a month extra per day. I mean, it was like truly unbelievable. You know, I, I'll never forget the time like I was talking to a cousin-in-law and we're we're talking at a party and like, he's like, oh, what are you up to? And, and we were talking for 10 minutes and he's like, wow, that business sounds amazing. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. And like, I just pull out my phone. And there's five Stripe notifications in the 10 minute window that we were talking through. So the growth was was pretty massive. Um, and it was just because nothing out there existed in in such a cheap fashion that was so simple. And so people just like love the simplicity of it. And really basically what kind of happened was we, we had like 50 or 100 clients and then all of a sudden kind of like the Twitter cold email world found it. And it kind of went mini viral like in this kind of cold email world so this kind of virality on Twitter, I put a affiliate marketing program in really early just because people that like kind of the cold email world kind of lived off that, like on the, the cold email wizard. 
Yeah, basically. Right. So it's like, you know, he was like referring, there was just so many different people. Like it was, you know, there were memes of like, you ever see the Spider-Man meme where they were to like, you know, all the Spider-Man are pointing to each other at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It was like, who's warm up network, like URL are we going to use? Oh for- yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, it was one of those things where like, you know, you, you, you say it out loud and like, okay, like it took me three days to build something that, you know, um, in the end, like I, you know, sold it for millions of dollars. Um, you know, it, it is truly amazing to, to kind of sit back and look and say, Hey, this simple concept, um, you know, grew so quickly, but it was a mixture of like, okay, I came up with a concept of immediate pain that I had, um, built kind of an MVP, talked to prime users like yourself, built those features that the user said, and then had one or two marketing channels that worked. And then once I found those, like I just like lived and breathed those marketing channels. And then you kind of like, I just rode the wave. And so that being said, even today, like I've, I've started and stopped between like, I think about 15 different companies. It's really hard to find marketing channels that work. And, you know, when you find a marketing channel, it's not ever guaranteed to continue to work. So like, basically what happened and part of the reason why like I don't like to build in public right so part of the reason like this is my first podcast is like I like to fly under the radar you know like to date I've you know the the indie hacker world like I've literally sold millions online by myself um or with a very small team of contractors and um you know it's one of those things that if you keep kind of talking out loud about it um people will start to copy it and so even though I wasn't talking about it people started to catch on but luckily they started to catch on a little bit later so basically i was the third warm-up network that came out and like full transparency it was one of those things where i saw lemless came up with a great concept and i iterated significantly on that provided many different features and many different proprietary you know sets like a, a proprietary algorithm on the back end to improve what like lemless did and I just kind of honestly started to get scared, right? So like these Google ad, I was paying more per click. Um, revenue was not going down at all. If In fact, it was actually an exponential curve um, and a private equity firm came in. Actually, I, I had a couple of different people come in and uh, provide a couple of different offers. Um, and this private equity firm that bought it, they're an amazing- It was 11 months after the day you sat down and wrote the first line of code, right? Yeah, it was like 11 or 12 months. Um, yeah, and it, it was one of those things that, you know, at, at the time, you know, I'm, I guess I'm 30, 31 years old and I have all this PTSD from like being in credit card debt and like basically six months before kind of going back to like, you know, hey, like, what does your wife think about all this? I. Six months before that, I was like, you know, to my wife, Sammy, I'm saying, just just give me one more year, you know, and I'm like, you know, we literally picked a date and I was like, okay, if I'm not making a hundred grand at this time, because, you know, and I was making more in sales and and that was just something that I significantly like I, I had some good um, experience in. So I knew I can get a good job. And that was kind of always in the back of my mind, right? It was like, oh, if this, you know, all fails, like I can just go get a job. So we picked a date and I, you know, it was just one of those things that, that I got really lucky on. Um, granted, there was a lot of experiences leading up to it, but you know, that, that's one thing that is, is tough is like you, I, 
I follow, I'm part of the indie hacker community, which are these basically these bootstrappers who are internet makers who um, don't raise a single fund. And a lot of the time they're engineers, um, but they don't have any marketing skills. And, you know, it's one of those things where they'll just develop and develop and develop. And, you know, it just took me six years to find something that worked. Um, a lot of the time people give up after six months, three months, a year. I just kept going, you know, it, so, it, that's uh, really the, the only difference. I think you seen Alex West, the get cyber leads guy. That's right. Yeah. I have seen him on Twitter. Yeah. He does some interesting stuff. I was looking, uh, I try, I try to service it's good info. Uh, it's good. It's good data. If you're selling into private or, um, VC recently VC backed companies, uh, right. it's a good product for the price point. Uh, he has, um, I was looking through some of the companies he started before and one of them was called like Git Gardener. And yeah. basically it was like, it's just, it goes into Git and just like makes fake commits so that your Git, your Git commit history is all like lit up green. So if you're a developer applying for jobs, it's like, you have like, that's, all, that's totally awesome. Green oh. Git commit history. <laughs> that's pretty innovative, right? I think yeah, and that's work though. That's, it, it, that, that's part of the issue too, though, is like with a lot of these indie hackers is, excuse me, um, that like, that is an amazing concept, right? So unique. Um, that will go viral for like a day on say, you know, hacker news or something like that. But that is an idea that won't make any money. And so that's like, now I, I advise like a lot, a lot of kind of bootstrappers these days. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, you have to have an idea that makes money. Um, and, and to be honest, I, you know, I, I fall into that trap all the time. So um, since the, the sale of warm-up inbox, I started Dabble Ventures, right? So like uh, Dabble Ventures is a startup studio where uh, we build new companies from scratch. So very similar to like, hey, I think there's an opportunity in the dog walking space. Like, let's just spin up an idea and see if it'll work. Um, and we also buy companies as well. Um, and uh, for the companies that we start, we incubate. Uh, with like founders. So for example, we uh, we're right now working in the discord space. Uh, we're building like a no code bot builder for discord. And, you know, on paper, everything lined up for like search metrics and, you know, all these, all these funnels. And, um, you know, even with, with all the experience I have of like failing on certain companies and some work out well, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you can have all the research behind you and it, it could still fail. So like part of the reason why I didn't realize is people on Discord just don't like to spend money, right? There's hundreds of other tools that are free. And it's just like, basically everything needs to go right in order for your startup idea to kind of take off. It's it, if one thing is off, generally speaking, it, it won't work. Um, and so that's, that's something I think about, you know, all, all day long with kind of coming up with new business ideas. So, uh, Two, two other questions I want to ask you before we move on. I, I know you have some new stuff you're working on now. Don't know if you want to talk about it. I'll leave that up to you. Sure. Uh, but uh, first question, uh, can you give like, it, it, feel free to decline if you don't want to. Uh, can you give like a rough order of magnitude of what the sale looked like for you on uh, Warm Up Inbox? Sure. Yeah, I guess I guess I can't share specifics, but, um, you know, revenue was over a million dollars. Um sale price was multiple millions. So life-changing money for me. Um, and warm up inbox has, you know, had thousands of, of users. Uh, and the nice part is, is it, it's still growing, right? So um, the company that bought it, if you do some digging, you, you can find out who it is, but 
Uh, they're a very large private equity firm. They own many developer tools and uh, you know cold email tools, tools that you'll heard of. Um, they also own uh, like uh, they have like board seats of publicly traded companies on the New York Stock Exchange. So nice. pretty 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 big um, scale. Uh, and yeah, it, it was one of those things where you know warm up inbox. Like the the way I like to describe it is warm up inbox is. A lot in a lot of people's eyes, a tool or a feature, not necessarily a company, right? Um, but that being said, there's so many successful companies on the internet like that, and that's essentially you know what I'm trying to build now. So, yeah, um, cool. and yeah, know that the team after went with them as well, and I stayed on for a number of months helping with the transition. And so, uh, what's nice is so I'm I'm still working in the cold email space. Um, I don't work in the warm-up space anymore but you know during my time at warm-up inbox i noticed that everybody had multiple mailboxes right that's kind of like you know almost 80 percent of people actually use like more than one mailbox to send out emails and literally there's no cold email tool out there um, that mainly focuses on this idea some can do it a little bit um and so i built a sender so basically kind of it's a little further backstream of kind of the cold email process of, you know, building templates, sending out drips, um, organizing positive replies, things like that. Uh, that being said, you know, I'm working with a, a separate private equity firm right now looking to buy companies, right? So, you know, we're generally looking in the million to 1.5, you know, $5 million range of, of companies that are, um, you know, in terms of revenue might be an e-commerce company, uh, another SaaS company. Um, You're doing that to like uh, consult? Are you getting involved in the fund or? Yeah, so basically under Dabble Ventures, it really does kind of follow its name. We're kind of dabbling in a couple of different ideas, right? So we're starting new companies and buying new companies. Um, and mainly- tiny company? Uh, well, it, it depends on the size, right? So no, no, the, the tiny company. Tiny oh, doc. exactly. So like Andrew Wilkinson is literally like my idol. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like it's, it's on a smaller scale of like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's what I realize. like I've kind of touched every single part of like a business, you know, accounting, customer support, sales, marketing, you know, design, what I realize I, I love most is kind of scheming and designing products. And so, you know, what, what I'm good at is building software and design, like kind of the UX UI. But part of the reason why Warm Up Inbox did so well was because of the simplicity to use, right? Two clicks and you were able to sync and get what you wanted out of the product. And so, it's so funny you say that though, and you haven't picked up front end development yet. Yeah. Well, the nice part is I've, I've just find amazing front end developers. Yeah. So, like, kind of my superpower really is I I'm decent at design and I know backend. So I just build out the endpoints and then I, I design the front end. And why I not, just, why not just pick up like react or something? Oh, it, it's just too much. Like, so part of like, to, to be totally honest, part of the reason I struggle with now is like shiny uh, object syndrome. Uh, where it's okay, just yeah, like, yeah. um, I love to learn, you know, and, like that is something that could be fun, but I also feel like that's a rabbit hole where just you know, it. it's like those, you know, you need 10,000 hours to be great at something. Like I don't yeah. feel like doing that. <laughs> I was just, I was just talking to somebody today about focus. So, uh, yeah. so touche, fair point. 
I know. And so I'm, I'm still struggling with that. Right. So like everything I described is, is in the software world, but uh, yesterday I put in an offer to buy a very large vending machine company in Pennsylvania, <laughs> literally like hundreds of vending machines. So like uh, basically cool. if I, if I find an opportunity that I think can make money um, I will certainly look into it, but it, I guess more importantly, it's, you know, what value can I add that basically on day one, you know, whatever the, the buyer uh, or the, you know, whatever the seller, you know, doesn't have, what can I add in? And so like, literally with warm up inbox, like I had faults, right? So like the reason why many people wanted to buy warm up inbox was because they saw the opportunity. They saw kind of the foundation that I put in, but they were like this, you know, this guy, me is, is not doing X, Y, and Z either. Right. Or not even doing it. Right. So, you know, the, the private equity firm that came in, um, they're doing an amazing job and, you know, they, they brought in their expertise from even more years of experience to add more value, um, to make it a great investment on them. And they did not mess up the product. They raised the prices, but they didn't mess up the product. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's just that much more valuable. Um, and you know, what, one thing that I didn't realize when selling it, it's, it's just such a big market and opportunity. So, um, the nice part is it just worked out for everybody, you know, for, for me, it, it's, you know, I didn't grow up with much money and, you know, now I do. So it, it's one of those things where I just kind of needed to sleep at night. I mean, given your story, years. man, like you, yeah. you're in your early thirties, like that, that was a hell of a freaking roller coaster ride. Like several times I got chills in my spine hearing your story and I've heard the story before. So it's <laughs> like, you know, it still blows me away. And uh, so to be able to cash out life-changing money, early thirties. I mean, you've probably got like, I'm going to guess you probably have like four or five more of these in your Let's hope. So, Let's uh, hope. That's, uh, that, that's one thing that keeps me up at night is like, I don't want to be a one hit wonder. Um, I don't think you are. You're not a one hit wonder. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Right. So, so going back to Byron, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely like an imposter syndrome, you know, situation where, uh, Byron, I sold Byron, um, you know, for basically I got my money back on it. It was a good sale. Um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't life-changing money. It was basically like, Hey, the last four years of my life was worthless. Right. That's at the time. That's the way I looked at it. You know, I was in so much credit card debt. I was like, I literally everything was maxed out. So that's why I sold it. I'm like, I need to start over. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where um, that company now is doing significantly better. Um, I have a so. friend who uh, who did he did he's done five companies in his career. Uh, he says, uh, you know, like sports metrics. He says he won two, tied one, lost two. Right. So the, the two losses, obviously, uh, you know, him and investors lost money on the on the uh, you know the closings of the businesses. They never never achieved market fit. The tie is probably like Byron, where you just kind of like sell it at it, like just kind of return everybody's money and, you know, no harm, no foul kind of situation. The two wins he had, the most recent one was big. It was a nine figure uh, exit, high night, like upper nine figures. So, pretty uh, legit. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it, you know, a lot of people say it, it only takes one. Um, and, you know, in my my case, it, it does. Like now when I'm looking to like purchase companies, I'm more just like, okay, can I, can I, like a worst case scenario, break even. And like, say you can do that 10 times, like hopefully one of them will be a success. Um, so yeah, now, now I'm mainly just trying to figure out, you know, uh, just kind of on the building side, like what works, what doesn't, 
Um, you know, the, the new company I started, MailStand, it, it is growing very quickly, not as quickly as warm-up inbox, but a lot of the same mechanisms that I've seen work are working. So, you know, over the years, I've just figured out, okay, you know, basically looking to see quickly what's working and what's not. And then if it's not working, stopping. Um, and, but I mean, there's, uh, there is something to be said about execution, right? Like, um, there's just, there's a lot of different ideas I have come up with. Like, I, I don't know, I, I probably come up with a business idea once a week, like a legit business idea. And they have turned into like, you know, billions of dollars. Like I competed with scale AI early on, like, and that's worth a billion dollars, like multiple billions of dollars. And when I say compete, I wasn't competing. It was more like we had the same idea at the same time. Do you see uh, Jasper? Yeah. Yeah. They are uh, just insane. And it's not like they're using GPT-3. So it's not even like it's a UI on top of GPT-3. So like, I'm sure there's like some really impressive engineering that goes into that. But it's, uh, it's not, you know, like, they're not building, you know, they're not building like the the most amazing, you know, algorithm ever, they're just leveraging GPT three. And it's like, all about UX marketing, uh, virality, like K factor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been spending a lot of time, like post sale, I guess, one, just like kind of getting back in shape and running. I'm I'm doing the New York Marathon this weekend, so I'm looking like it's just been oh, it's wow, been year, it's been years and years. Like I've been wanting to get back into running for seven years, and I just like haven't had the literally the motion to do it. Um, but really, what I'm focusing my time on now is like what makes an idea like turnover, right? So like Jasper AI, like it was one person with an idea off technology that exists that literally anybody can use like what made that go from nothing to so much scale in a short amount of time and really like i forget the guy there's there's three guys that started the company though they had uh they had a story like you like they had a 10-year journey that was like like what you shared earlier here of like pivots like four or five different companies you know credit card debt, you know, they were living in a studio apartment, the three of them sleeping on the floor or whatever. I'm, I'm like paraphrasing. Yeah, I'm not I think. familiar. Yeah, I'm not yeah, familiar. It was a ridiculous story. Like it was a crazy story. It was a 10, it was an overnight success, 10 years in the making. Like they had a ridiculous story leading up to Jasper and then Jasper just like took off like a rocket right. ship. When they hit that one idea, just took off. Yeah. And I'm sure, sh- I'm sure it was some sort of like wedge they had. Right. So just, all I'm doing is like focusing on, on a wedge of just saying, okay, is the market big enough? What can you anchor in? You know, um, and and part like part of the the struggle that I see with MailStand now, which is like the cold email sending tool that I have, is you know there are some tools out there that have literally been building for ten years. Like, how can I anchor in this space with just like a smaller set of features with like a solo developer? And and you know something I didn't even mention, I started a data company while starting the lead generation agency. So in 2019, all this money I had, I, I invested $100,000 and to get $400 of revenue. So I developed, I had, I scaled up a development team of like four or five people. I built the back end to save money, but it was like a huge team. I dropped $100,000. I launched and I'm like, oh, I got man. this. And literally I made $400 in a whole year off this product. Oh, so man. I realized that like, you know, there were, there were giants there. So like, there is um there is trying to find a balance between like 
what ideas can you bootstrap with no money or like your own versus like funding? And the issue was like the server costs were getting so expensive to maintain the data that I was crawling for this data idea. And I needed VC funding, but I could, I didn't even go out to get it because I knew nobody would invest in it. So, yeah. I think we're getting to a good wrapping up point. I have yeah. one more question I'm dying to ask you. So okay. uh, like your wife sounds awesome. She's been like through so much, like you, both of you guys have been through so much on this journey. And then, you know, you're at this like awesome place now. Uh, and like, who knows what's ahead? I'm sure you've got some really awesome things ahead. But uh, what was the moment when you realized that it was working in a big way? And like, what was that conversation like between you guys? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, th I think it was when we like, I, we went viral on Twitter or like the product went viral on Twitter. So it's like, I knew the Google ads were working. Um, and then, yeah, basically like all, like in a span of four hours, somebody must've got wind of it. And I think there were like 20 memes created about this product that I made and you know, it was like, people were being like, who created this? Like people were like, uh, you know, in the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was like spitting money off the boat. Like people were doing all this. And I was like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, and you were is... still like under the radar too. Like you don't really put your name on stuff. Yeah. For the most part. Right. You know, I'll have kind of the dabble ventures logo on it. Uh, mainly it's just kind of, kind of have like a, a facade over everything just in case like for example we want to sell something off later it's a lot easier to sell a brand than say like hey this was made by me um and so yeah i think i think basically when it went event went viral and then my wife came in and i was like check this out and she's like oh my god like this is crazy so you know it, it was it was cool to see just like so. a sigh of relief probably for both of you guys yeah, honestly, I think the sigh of relief was just when all the credit card debt was paid off. And then uh, I paid off my student loans, like basically one or two months after kind of the, the company started to take off. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm good. And I think I can start to make money. <laughs> but I mean, I I reinvested everything I had into everything just to to try to make it work. So, you know, mainly the goal is just to work for myself forever. You know, I I went for a nice run at 1 p.m. today. I've always wanted to do that as something I, I've always thought about. I'm like going to a meeting and I'm like, man, I want, I want that job where I can just like run whenever I want in the middle of the day. And that's kind of, it's kind of what sparked it all. Yeah. Well, this, this is a great closing note. Uh, Mike, this was awesome episode. Uh, this is going to be a really good one. Uh, we'll, we'll get this up in the next week or two. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, man. All right. See ya. All right. Bye.